Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Legroom, written by Alex Vitale. Jane? John? Jane? John. Jane! Stop shouting. I can hear you. I'm right here. Right where? I can't see you. Are you a ghost? Yes, John. I'm a ghost. Ooh. Oh, God. Were you dead the whole time? I'm not dead, you idiot. You're trapped in the walls. No, I'm on the other side. I knew it. You are a ghost. Other side of the wall. Oh, that's... Not as exciting. Shut up. Our apartments are next to each other now. Somehow. Yay! We're real neighbors now. I'll bring you over some cookies. Fresh baked for the new girl on the block. I don't want them. Oh, I'm sorry, Jane. But I don't think you'll be getting any of my void, famous macadamia mint oatmeal cookies. My front door is gone. Yeah, that is what I was going to tell you. Mine is too. We're trapped. Ah, sniggledy fig. Watch your mouth. You're right. I shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. But it doesn't change the fact that we're trapped in our rooms. Well, at least we have something to pass the time with. Ah, yes. The ancient art of conversation. It, no. My story. <clears throat> Dust and cacti. That's all there was to see outside the window of Cassie's beat-up old Honda Civic. Morgan sat huddled in the passenger seat beside her sister, repeatedly pressing down on the window switch. It's not going to open, said Cassie. That thing has been broken for years. Morgan gave it one last try. The window remained stubbornly shut. Shouldn't you have gotten it fixed? The AC is stuffy as hell. That, my dear sister, Cassie replied, costs money. Be glad that the AC actually works. It's like 3,000 degrees out there. Fahrenheit or Celsius? The girls had been driving for approximately five hours, give or take a few precious minutes. They'd filled up in a little dinky gas station just before, simultaneously nabbing a lunch of beef jerky and potato chips. Cassie had insisted on salt and vinegar, so those would remain untouched until Morgan took over driving. This had been the routine for the last couple of days, as the girls traveled cross-country. Their mother, as well as the moving van, was somewhere behind them. Morgan had packed the car full, and they took off two days before their mother set out. She, in her infinite motherly wisdom, had suggested that the girls travel together, something about sisterly bonding. Both of them knew it was just so they could clean the new house before the movers got there. That, and they were taking about half the house along with them. The back seat of the car had been pushed down, giving ample room for the horde Cassie and Morgan were tugging along. Between boxes of knickknacks, suitcases of clothes, and trash bags full of cleaning supplies, It was a miracle that the car wasn't standing on its back two wheels. She wasn't even driving, and Morgan could feel the car straining against the excess of weight. How they managed to pack so many belongings in the first place, she didn't really know. Cassie had been ruthless in discarding most of their stuff while packing. She'd even tossed out Morgan's VHS copy of The Little Mermaid. Sure, they weren't keeping the VCR, and the tape was so well-worn it no longer played, but it was about the sentimental value. Now, though... Morgan was beginning to wish they'd thrown out more stuff. She had no legroom, and her knees were getting extremely sore. 
Outside was a wide open plain that, for all Morgan knew, stretched on infinitely. She ran her fingers over the lock on her door, wedged tight against high speeds. Morgan was sitting in the front seat of her sister's car. No, no, that wasn't right. She was sitting in the front seat of her father's car, the Civic. It was much nicer then, though she hadn't known what a Civic was. Her father had one hand on the wheel and one arm resting on an open windowsill. The windows used to open. He had something playing on the radio. Something by the stones, Morgan thought. She'd run her little fingers over the lock back then, too, willing it to open. She could have tucked and rolled out of the tight, stale car, just like in Dad's spy movies. The lock stayed shut, though, and the AC stayed stuffy as ever. Morgan was back in the present. The stones had been replaced by some modern pop group Cassie liked, and her sister had both hands on the wheel. Morgan's breath hitched in her throat. She swallowed it back down with a swig of flat soda. Her nail caught over the top of the lock. Tucking and rolling out of the car still seemed like a decent option, desert be damned. The dust and mothball aroma wafting from the back seat was getting stuck in her lungs. "'God, how are you not losing it right now?' she whined, squirming in her seat. "'You're so dramatic!' Cassie grinned at her and added, "'Chin up. We've only got, oh, about twelve hours left.' With an exasperated groan, Morgan slumped further in her seat. At least, she tried to. Her feet pressed flat against the carpeted floor. Movement wasn't really an option. Crossing her arms with a congested sniff, Morgan resigned herself to a very long and uncomfortable car ride. Sure, it had been like this when they first started their trek, but day three of cross-country travel made Morgan a little less tolerant of discomfort. She slipped a hand between her seat and the door and fumbled with the adjuster. Lifting the latch, Morgan pushed back against the boxes and bags behind her. She tried this at the beginning of the trip as well, to no avail. Morgan reasoned that maybe their stuff had been jostled enough to give her some extra room. Her theory was proven false. The seat didn't budge an inch. As Cassie hummed along to some cheesy Top 40 tune, Morgan's hand found its way back to the door lock. Under her thumb, she traced it in circles. She could have potentially popped it open, Morgan supposed, but where would she go? Out. Sure, it was hot out there, hotter than any place on Earth had any right to be, but it was out of this stupid car. It stinks in here. What's wrong with the air conditioning? Would you stop complaining? The AC is fine. It stinks because half the stuff back there has been in the attic for God knows how long. If we just tossed all that junk out like I said, it wouldn't smell so bad. Morgan huffed and bit her cuticles. Mom said it's all antiques or something. Family heirlooms. I have no jurisdiction over her. You know that. Nobody does. Besides, be glad it's only her stuff. You already threw all of mine out. Oh, here we go again. Cassie let go of the steering wheel to pinch the bridge of her nose. Can we just turn off the AC for a little while, please? It's blowing dust everywhere. I can't breathe through my nose. It's literally 103 degrees outside. We are not turning off the only thing between us and spontaneous combustion. It was a losing battle. Cassie's car, Cassie's rules. Morgan had heard the catchphrase nearly every time she rode with her sister. A few times, on really bad days, she thought about reminding Cassie that, technically, it wasn't her car. At least, it hadn't been a few months ago. It was now, though, and Morgan had to grin and bear it. Grabbing a napkin from the glove compartment, she blew her nose and shifted her legs. She tried to shift her legs. Morgan only really managed to kick at the floor. 
Her legs were bent higher than they were before, at a sharper angle. Knees aching, she shuffled her feet forward a bit. Not what one would call stretching out, but it was better than nothing. Her thumb moved to worry at the lock. Three hours passed, but when Morgan looked at the clock, only fourteen minutes had gone by. She arched her back against her chair, hands hitting the roof above her. A sunroof would have been nice and offered a bit more room, though that window probably wouldn't have worked either. It would have been nice to catch some sleep, too, but Morgan was far too cramped to nap. Hey, Cass, how far out are we? Are we there yet? Sounded a little too cliche. Cassie, to her credit, didn't grumble. To our next stop, uh, probably about three, three and a half hours, give or take. Give or take an eternity. Morgan stifled a groan and kicked weakly at the floor in a last-ditch effort to get comfortable. She snaked a hand around herself to rub her lower back. These older model cars had zero lumbar support, and the back of her seat made her sit bolt straight. It felt like a chiropractor's chair. It wouldn't hurt to try and push it back a bit. Hand on the latch, Morgan pulled and pushed back hard. She was short on luck again. The seat stayed perfectly upright. Three and some odd hours was an excruciating amount of time. Morgan's phone had long since died, and they didn't have a car charger. They'd been supposed to pick one up at the last rest stop, but both Cassie and Morgan had been too distracted by grabbing lunch to remember. Sitting hunched in her chair, Morgan fiddled with the lock, counting the cacti as they went by. The back of her chair was pushed oppressively against her. To make matters worse, the road they were driving on hadn't been repaved since it was built. It was pockmarked with holes, and Cassie had long since given up on trying to dodge them all. With every bump, the whole car jostled, passenger and package alike knocking around roughly in the worn seats. Cassie must have been getting tired, because they hit a particularly deep one head-on. It didn't take out a tire, thank God, but it did topple the boxes in the back seat. With a jolt, they fell against Morgan's. Her seat clicked into place ever so slightly further up than it had last been when she tried to fix it. Instead of a 90-degree angle, her seat was now bent a little closer to 80 degrees forward. Morgan's lungs were too tight to get a proper breath in, and her body was bent forward so that her knees pressed up against her chest. With every new pothole that caught the front wheels, the boxes weighing on her back shifted again, pressing her further and further into herself. Fingers still twiddling at the lock, Morgan tried to control her breathing. What she wouldn't have given for even five seconds out of the car. Hell, five seconds with the windows cracked would have been heaven. Another pothole snatched the left front tire. Down the boxes came further. Morgan's forehead bumped against the glove compartment. With some difficulty, Morgan twisted her head to look at her sister. Cassie was bent in much the same shape she was, though her head was tilted up to look over the top of the dashboard, the tip of Cassie's nose rubbed against the steering wheel. Otherwise, she seemed perfectly content. Just one look at her position, and Morgan's breath caught in her throat. Her joints ached, and her vertebrae popped one at a time, protesting their sharp angle. She groaned and dug her finger around the perimeter of the lock. From her crumpled position, Morgan could just barely turn her head to look out the window. All she could see was sky. Beautiful, open sky. Time passed at an impossibly slow rate. The only way Morgan could tell that it was still passing was the occasional rattle of the Civic as it hit a seam in the road. Their belongings in the back never seemed to stop moving, like they were trying with all their might to put their entire weight on the back of Morgan's chair. Painstakingly, and certainly taking some of the skin off her forehead, Morgan turned face down and focused on controlled breaths. In and out, 
in and out. Her lungs were practically bursting out of her chest. She hadn't heard a crack, but she was almost certain that at least one of her ribs was broken. She'd been bent in half and further. There was no way her bones were still in one piece. All of Morgan's joints burned, screaming at her to stretch out. The only one left with any mobility was her thumb, which still hovered over that impossible lock. With her head locked into place against the glove compartment, Morgan could no longer turn to face her sister. The car pressed further down on her, forcing her to crane her neck up while the rest of her body pushed inward against itself. Through her periphery, she could see Cassie. Both her hands were still planted firmly on the wheel, though the rest of her was pressed far below the lip of the dashboard. The car squeezed her up against the steering wheel, her nose crushing against it as she kept the car steady. Though Morgan was certain Cassie couldn't breathe either, her sister still hummed along with the music. Gasping out through wheezing lungs, Morgan asked, How can you... How can you still drive? Cass, pull, please, pull over, pull over. We need to get out. Her shallow breaths quickened, and black began to close in around the edges of her vision. Her thumb pressed down against the lock. Her pointer finger joined it. What are you talking about? We're fine. Morgan, stop. What are you... Morgan pulled up on her lock, and the door flung open. Wind rushed into the cramped car, worming through narrow crevices that were left between its crushed innards. Beside her, Cassie swore, sharply swinging over to the side of the road. She slammed on the brakes. Before she got so much as a word out, Morgan pulled herself in the vehicle. She writhed and twisted against her constraints, unable to even unbuckle the seatbelt. Between panicked breathing and nonsensical strings of concerns, she wormed free of the car and dropped like lead onto the scalding pavement. Uncaring of burns or blisters, Morgan hunched on her hands and knees, gulping in fresh air. It was hot, and it scorched her sore lungs, but it was clear, and it was open. It took her several moments to realize that Cassie was squatting next to her, rubbing a hand along her spine. It took her several more moments to make any sense of what she was saying. Sir me, would you? What happened? Are you okay? Should I call 911? She didn't sound out of breath, only concerned. You scared the hell out of me. What were you thinking? The car was... The car was crushing us, Cassandra. We had to get out. What are you talking about? The car is fine. Morgan sat up on her knees, sitting up straight for the first time in what felt like hours. Are you insane? Just look at it. She turned to the Civic as she gestured to it, but what she saw couldn't have been correct. The car was perfect, or at least as perfect as it had been when they'd started their trip. Aside from a ding in the rear door that had been there for about three years, the car was undamaged. Everything in the back was piled the same as it had been at the last rest area, and the seats stood erect and in the same position as they always were in. No crumpled metal, no 45-degree angles. It stood there, harmless as ever. No. No what? It, it was crushing us. It, you, you couldn't even see over the steering wheel. Morgan's voice had no energy left in it. She shakily stood up and inspected the car. Maybe their boxes had shifted around, but not nearly enough to crush anyone. Christ almighty, just... Just take a minute, okay? Cassie rubbed the bridge of her nose again, right where it pressed against the steering wheel. She swung the passenger side door closed, presumably to keep the AC in. This trip is clearly testing your limits. Morgan muttered something in agreement, though through her bewilderment she couldn't have said exactly what. Stretching, cracking her back, and checking her ribs for breaks, she faced the wide-open desert around them. Cassie hadn't been joking about the heat, it was stifling. 
the sun beat down on the two of them, wafting off the pavement in waves. Still, she was outside, and that's all she wanted. Hot, fresh air was much better than dusty, stuffy, cold air. Taking a few deep breaths, she turned back to Cassie. Oh, all right. All right, sorry, I'm good now. Let's get going. Morgan swiped her forearm across her brow, wishing she had a hat. Are you sure you're good? I don't want to repeat. I'm fine. I promise. Let's get going. It's hot out here. In silent agreement, the girls grabbed the door handles and pulled. Neither door opened. Through the dust-clouded window, Morgan could see the lock on each windowsill, firmly set in place against the wide, open, outside world. Thank you for participating in the Uncommon Commons Restructuring Program. All of your rooms have been... Oh, thank goodness, we're free! Now we can go anywhere in this void we're trapped in. At least it's endless. Come on, let's explore. Maybe they added a swimming pool. Do you even know how to swim? We won't know that until we find a pool. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson. And our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Special thanks to our EA, Rebecca Tewksbury. You can find us on Twitter at un underscore commons and on Instagram at uncommon underscore commons. Or email us directly at zeronullstreet at gmail.com. Stay. And remember, nothing is real.